With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Alright, welcome to the 20th episode of the What If Football 2022 World Cup Daily Podcast. I am Jake from What If Football and here I've got the penultimate fixtures to talk you through of the last 16. We've got first Brazil versus South Korea and then we have got Japan and Croatia and heartbreaking Penalties. We've got it all. We've got a great Brazilian team. We've got a turgid South Korean defense. And we've got previews to the final day of the last 16, all contained within. Let us get stuck right into it, shall we? As you may know by now, we are not just here with the World Cup Daily Podcast here on What If Football. Oh no, yes, we are here on the Sports Social Podcast Network, anywhere where you get your podcasts and on YouTube with this daily podcast. But we're also daily over there on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash what if football from £1 this month to get the Great Games podcast every single day right up until the weekend of the final with Great games from the annals of football in World Cup history. We've also got Football Manager International Challenges on YouTube, alternate football universes as well with our What If videos on YouTube as well, as well as predictors and combined 11s going forward on YouTube Shorts. But for now, we are tackling 
Brazil, the Seleção, the five-time champions, the favourites, the all-time greatest World Cup team in history. And really, this was the time that they shone. They'd only scored three goals in the group stages, albeit with one game against Cameroon where they rested quite a lot of their team. But here they saw that three goals in the group stages and raised them four all inside 36 minutes. And going into the game, Huang Hee-chan was the obvious change for South Korea. Meanwhile, obviously, the big news around the Selassie was the return of Neymar. Neymar, not quite the poster boy and the the one with the country's weight on his shoulders, as was the case in 2014 and potentially a bit too in 2018. But here, nonetheless, a star player is back and the rest really was a reversion to the strongest available 11 that we last saw for Brazil against Switzerland in the second game, which was a late 1-0 win. And really, the, the first win that they chalked up against Serbia, that was somewhat of a late win as well, only breakthrough, breakthrough coming midway through the second half. And really, this was the inverse of that. Brazil, did they deliver the performance deserving of the favourites tag? You've got to say, absolutely. Rafinha was finally showing the quality we all know that he has in assisting Vinicius Jr. for what was an absolute delicious goal. Now, obviously, there'll be plenty of people talking about the, the team goal for the third one, the beautiful assist for the fourth as well. But the way Vinicius Jr. just delicately curls it around, say, about five or six South Korean bodies. Now, I'm not going to say it was George Best versus, I think, Tottenham Hotspur-esque from 1963 or four or whatever, but it had that vibe just a nonchalant curl beyond seven maybe hapless opposition bodies into the top corner it was uh it was stunning really it does landmark Vinicius Jr's performances this World Cup have been Brazilian Brazil's best player from in my opinion anyway and uh, of course then Brazil going to win a penalty through Richarlison although I'm not quite sure what the South Korean defender could have done when Richarlison runs across him but by the letter of the law he's kicked him it's a foul it's a penalty and uh, Neymar very much backs against the wall for South Korea and this reaffirmed it with a cool calm and collected limping penalty from Neymar nonchalant as ever and Brazil by the I think it was the 12th minute mark here. Game done and dusted, really. Um, it was a different start to all the other Brazil games, and here they'd uh, sewn things up relatively early, and now we, we were going to see whether or not they could be as prolific as all the names, all the names on the bench promise, really. And I, I was more impressed with their transitional work, especially going backwards, quite a lot of... Uh, Men tracking back, a lot of numbers getting back as well, which um, is something that you can sometimes label with superstar teams that the, the men at the front don't often pull their weight, but Brazil certainly did in the first half. Here I felt Casemiro was absolutely excellent again. Yes, the uh, the match winner against Switzerland, but here he was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was an absolute brick wall out there on his own. Although it was more of a double pivot, even with Lucas Paqueta in there as, as a more as a more attacking option than Thread. It was more of a 4-2-3-1, maybe with the free roll Neymar as 4-2-4, but it wasn't quite the 4-1-5 levels that we saw against Serbia in the first match. And yes, of course, the brilliant team move for Richarlison's goal, assisted by Thiago Silva, pre-assisted by Marquinhos as well. It was absolutely effortless football. It was a bit more incisive than the Dutch team goal of uh, 21 passes that we saw a couple of days ago, but still... 
Two terrific team goals, well worthy of winning a World Cup knockout stage tie. The fourth goal was, in my opinion, even better. Just a really measured side-footed volley from a brilliant Vinicius Junior assist as well. And it, it takes a lot, really, to keep that ball down, side-footed volley into the corner, again through opposition legs. And that was the goal that probably impressed me the most, alongside Vinicius Junior's there. Um, goal to break the deadlock. Composure as well from the West Ham man. It goes to show the level of <laughs> level of the Premier League. If your central midfielder starter for Brazil is uh, playing week in, week out for West Ham, really, doesn't it? No offence, West Ham fans. Um, but uh, there you are. Um, and yes, you, whilst you can class the level of opponent um, Brazil had here, it's probably the most, at least the first half was, the second half was just a closing out exercise. The first half was probably the most complete performance, attacking-wise anyway, that we've seen from any team at this World Cup. The only niggle in my back of my mind was how many more they probably should have scored. Rafinha especially in that second half, maybe Richarlison too, just didn't get um, on the end of things as much as what I think he probably ought to have done um, in comparison with earlier performance. And that's probably why I felt Casemiro was probably one of Brazilian Brazil's better performers in this game that we uh, had here tonight, a 4-1 win. South Korea, on the other hand, I would say it's probably one of the more atrocious defensive displays that we've seen. Now, we've lambasted quite a few teams for sitting back, sitting deep, playing for nil-nils and just being downright dour when there was no need to be. And praised teams like Saudi Arabia were aggressive in defence, aggressive in the press, the defensive line, springing off side traps and working to a tee in a number of games. Um, and South Korea, it was admirable the way they went about it. it pressing in a 4-4-2, very aggressive as well, going man-to-man at the back. Uh, but it just was not executed the right way. And yes, there is a, a way to play that against Brazil, I feel. Uh, but I feel as though Serbia and Switzerland, I felt they did things a little bit better by being defensive. Although, yeah, yeah, it's a different way to play against Brazil. South Korea going gung-ho for it, really. It was something to witness, and it was just calamitous on the transition. It was calamitous to see Brazil just with acres and acres of room in the final third. It was um, quite bewildering, really. There's ways to do that, and they, did never, they never appeared to utilise the offside trap that perhaps they should have done in that scenario. And... We're just mainly all at sea for most of the goals. Brazil had built up such a huge advantage that they could let them play. South Korea attempted to play and then just got continually picked off again and again and again. And I don't think it's much of an exaggeration that had Brazil's finishing been a little bit better, it could have been almost record-breaking in terms of World Cup football, certainly in terms of uh, knockout stages in the most recent past, of course, one of those being Brazil's own demise in 2014, the 7-1. You did have a couple of um, things for Alisson to do, I suppose. Huang Hee Chan forced the, the Liverpool goal into a magnificent save from distance, and he did have... He did have some chances, the uh, Wolves winger, when he was running down the left and then again in the second half on the right, but uh, never phased the Brazilian defence too much. He had Son Hyung min curling an effort, which Alisson did extremely well to save with his shoulder at the start of the second half. And another brilliant save from Alisson at a goal-mouth scramble, scramble. So the Liverpool goalie had enough to do, really, and uh, he's finally breached by... Uh, 
by uh, Son Hyo Pak Pike. Um, fantastic shot. I mean, this could be the goal of the uh, the goal of the uh, the night so far. It was fantastic the way he hit. It may have taken a deflection, but who cares? Like the Casemiro goal against Switzerland, who cares? It was such a wonderful hit. It's going in anyway, in my opinion. Um, but in terms of South Korea going forward, I felt I was just slightly disappointed with Kim Jin Soo, sadly ineffectual, going down the left hand side at left back. Obviously, his propensity to go forward left his uh, colleagues gaping at the back, really, to uh, a, Brazil- a Brazilian counter attack, really. Man to man was probably not the best decision um, in the world uh, for a defensive performance. It's probably, you've got to take this. Brazil win with a little bit of pinch of salt because of that, I think. But still, I think attacking-wise, we're going to see Brazil tested a lot more. And I think they'll rise to the challenge in in a number of cases. Now, the uh, game against Croatia coming up, that will be more of a midfield battle and um, could be a little harder for for Brazil. They could get a little bit outnumbered. They will play Croatia. They'll probably play more withdrawn forward be it Bruno Petkovic, um, but I don't think it's too much for Brazil to worry about, but it will be a completely different challenge. Croatia will not go for the win immediately like South Korea did, and they won't panic. They've been a goal down and they've come through challenges like Canada, like Japan, obviously. Brazil is a completely different beast. But um, yeah, admirable to an extent, but South Korea just did not um, did not execute their defensive plan against a team that you've got to say now out there as the favourites. You've got, of course, Argentina, which they seem to be destined for a, uh, a semi-final, although the, the level, the quality, if the favourites win today, Spain and Portugal, the level of quarterfinals is going to be absolutely insane. It's going to be akin almost to a, uh, a set of Champions League quarterfinals, really. You've got Netherlands, Argentina, which in any in any tournament really has sparks enormous memories of World Cups gone by, 1978's final. You've got uh, 1998's quarterfinal with a Bergkamp goal. 2014 in the semi-final and a ripped anus and a penalty shootout to boot. And you got Brazil-Croatia, two very, very, very good teams. England versus France, the first ever, I believe, first ever meeting between the two teams in knockout phases, but plenty of meetings down the years, 1982, 2004, 2012. And potentially an all Iberian, which will be which will be incredible, won't it? Obviously a repeat of Euro twenty twelve semi-final, twenty ten World Cups last sixteen. We are spoilt for choice. And uh, perhaps the probably the best set of quarterfinals we could have possibly got with the last sixteens we were dealt. Uh, probably the best set of quarterfinals since maybe nineteen ninety-eight. Maybe chucking, um, maybe chucking 2010. That was filled with drama as well. Though that one really not so much on the elite teams level, but uh, it is all to come forward and uh, all to, all to look forward to as uh, we look forward to the next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Game which is Japan versus Croatia and a little bit of penalty heartbreak. Stick around with us. Welcome back, and now a story of heartbreak from the Al Janoub Stadium, or at least I think it's the Al Janoub Stadium. They all look fairly similar outside of the uh, Khalifa International Stadium, of course, so, i.e. all seven newly built stadiums for this competition. Anyway, let's get stuck into Qatar 1, or Japan 1, rather, Croatia 1. And team news coming out of the game was Ritsu Doan starts from the off this time. Meanwhile, Taniguchi and Tommy Yasu is in the back line, more of a 3-4-3 hybrid, 4-3-3, depending on where Tommy Yasu would um, take up positions, of course, on the same sort of patch of land, same half space, same channel as Junya Ito. He's a very exciting, very front-footed wing-back as well. In terms of Croatia's lineup, Barisic was in for Sosa, Petkovic was subbed in, to the front line as well. Many questions were asked. Could Croatia handle the Japanese press? Were Croatia finally tired? And uh, <laughs> could Japan spring? What would be another surprise? Um, well, Croatia, they were harassed from the off. Livakovic, who would, of course, become the uh, the hero of the piece for the for the Europeans. He was harassed right from the start by uh, Dyson Maeda. Uh, a great start by Japan, a great first half, fully deserving of that 1-0 uh, lead going into the halftime break. Croatia, they were very happy to have a feel for the ball, as you would expect. We did preview that um, high possession was to be their game, as we mentioned yesterday. And when you've got a midfield of Marcelo Brozovic, of Mateo Kovacic, of Luka Modric, a high possession game controlling that midfield was always going to be the the sort of blueprint from from Croatia. They were quick um, to attempt to win the ball back too. Everyone was involved in the counter-press. Did lead to um, Ivan Perisic robbing Takehiro Tomiyasu in the final third before forcing a save. That was Croatia's probably their best chance up until Perisic found the net in the second half. They did attempt to attack Japan. Defence is the best form of defence uh, with this high possession football press resistant I felt, I felt Mateo Kovacic hasn't put a foot wrong in this entire tournament really um, Marcelo Brozovic as well was fairly decent in the build up uh, really though Croatia looked better when they were a bit more direct when they were they were a bit slow and sluggish to, to be fair they did look a little bit tired <laughs> a bit lethargic in and around the uh, the middle third Petkovic couldn't put his chance away and I think he's becoming a little bit like Croatia's Harris Seferovic for me um, really 
unremarkable, unspectacular number nine who isn't really good at, um, too too great at putting uh, chances away. And it, it shows here. And it really, it's uh, epitomised Croatia in this game. Lethargic, bumbling. Their breakthrough came from across. So the, the longer balls were the um, were the threat for Croatia. And when you get into extra time, it's the, uh, it's the long throws where they were most dangerous from if they were dangerous in extra time, really. And a great header from Ivan Perez is now Croatia's top tournament scorer. Scored in, uh, I think he's scored in every tournament he's played in uh, either way. Either way, he's gone ahead of Davosuka. And uh, to be fair, Croatia, they did grow into the second half. Luka Modric had a, a pretty decent volley, but there were no real clear chances for this game to be won within 90 minutes. And probably the fairer result, despite Japan having uh, probably edged the game across the 90 minutes, the, the fair result really was a draw. There wasn't too much in it. I think by the end of the 90 minutes, by the end of extra time, really, in fairness, Croatia's experience saw them embrace the tense affair of knockout stage tournament football, what this is. Uh, a bit more than Japan, who are a bit more inexperienced at this level. Of course, they were in the uh, were in the collapse in the last 16, four years ago against Belgium. They've got previous in terms of the uh, the last 16, losing to Turkey 1-0 in 2002, losing to Paraguay in 2010 on penalties. So this was fourth time in the knockout stages and unfortunately fourth match fourth defeat for the samurai blue and japan they were they were fluid as ever we've seen them in multiple guises this tournament three four three three five two four three three four two three one whichever way you want to dice it really they've been uh very fluid and it, like i mentioned tommy yasu in that right center half right right back role he's He's tended to play more left centre half for Japan, but I don't think he's played that position once in this tournament, which just goes to show how uh, how interchangeable Japan are really. And then the build-up was fairly interchangeable as well. It's quite mixed. They did prefer the long ball to bypass the uh, the incredible Croatian midfield, of course. Um, but I think they did look better when they could uh, attack at speed through the through the opposition, which is something bizarrely that Croatia couldn't do. They were a bit more side to side, a bit more uh, a bit slower tempo. And we, we we know from this tournament so far how good Japan have been when they are direct, when they play it on the ground and nip dangerous moves together. They've been one of my favourite teams to watch, if not the favourite, because. Even England, you get that that angst of watching your wanting to, your home nation to win. There's none of that, obviously, with me and Japan, and I can just sit back and enjoy it. If they lose, they lose, and if they win, obviously, celebration because they've performed fantastically. And uh, again, another another admirable performance here. This is obviously Japan's fourth last sixteen match, their second elimination at the hands of penalties, unfortunately. Um, you had the likes of Junya Ito has been absolutely incredible all tournament. His uh, crossing into Dyson Maida was uh, spot on. Maida was inches away from tapping in. He missed a header as well moments later. And Japan really were finding joy in, be in behind the uh, the fullbacks of Borisic and uh, Juranovic. Um, Ito was winning the battle with Borisic on the right every single time he got forward. Daichi Kamada as well was running things um, a little... Really, another showcase why he was preferred to uh, to come in Minamino. I thought I've been really disappointed with Minamino. Of course, he's had um, mainly cameo appearances from the bench, really. Uh, but Daichi Kamada has been absolutely fantastic. He's been fantastic for the past two, three years in the Bundesliga with uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt, and he's more than uh, more than deserved his. Um, 
his place in the starting eleven, and again another fantastic game, perhaps one of the match, uh, maybe. But uh, you've got alongside him with Taro Endo as well, who was an absolute brick wall in that midfield. Again, another performance that will go under the radar for the Japanese, but again another performance where you think, wow, what a player! And a lot of these Japanese players, they've got a lot of top level European League experience, and Japanese football is only going from strength to strength. Really, a lot of them course, play their trade in the Bundesliga. You've got Matoma, who plays for Brighton as well, Tommy Yasu at Arsenal, and really by the end of the first half, they were in charge, fully in charge. Dyson made a deserving the goal when it fell to him from the uh, the knockdown of a cross and extra time really was, uh, well, went like most extra time periods do. It was headlined by substitute stops in play, cramp, etc. Substitutions of Mateo Kovacic and Luka Modric, which appeared baffling really, but uh, unfortunately for uh, Croatia, they um, didn't have the uh, undesired effect of um, penalty shootout misses when there. You'd expect them with the experiences they had from 2018 of beating Denmark, of beating Russia on penalty shootouts. You'd have expected them to be number one, number two, in line to uh, take a spot kick, but um, but they weren't. They were they were substituted. Really, on the other side of things, Mitsoma was probably the only excitement on the pitch from extra time. That and Croatia's dangerous long throws, which we mentioned earlier on, and really it was the experience of the Europeans that showed in the shootout. Livakovic, the hero, saving not one, not two, but three penalties. Yes. They were tame and you can lambast tame penalties all you like, but if the goalkeeper dives the wrong way, they look cool, calm and collected, <laughs> unlike the penalty that Croatia missed, which was cool, calm, collected, and it struck the uh, the outside of the post. And a pretty poor set of penalties. Yeah, it is probably a poor set of penalties when you consider the, uh, the languid run-ups from all those in Japanese as opposed to the determined... Steeled um, determination of the Croatians who just fired them in, except for the for the obvious one who had a stuttering run up. And uh, Croatia won three one. It's a somewhat of a travesty, really. I really felt as though Japan, the neutrals' favourites, the the one that everybody wanted to see a little bit more of. It would have been lovely to uh, to see an Asian nation go into the quarterfinals through um, this Japan-Croatia fixture. I'm recording this before Brazil and South Korea, so that's um, that's why I've mentioned that. If South Korea have gone and beaten Brazil, that seems unlikely now as I record at 6pm, but uh, you never know, you never know. And um, there's all them matches gone. We have got just two more last 16s to go. And after tomorrow's episode, we get... A little bit of a break. We've got two two rest days, but we will not be resting, of course. We've got the World Cup Rewind podcast for you, where we're going to charter every single World Cup tournament from start to finish, from 1930. Oh, yes, from 1930. <laughs> but before then, we've got to uh, we've got to preview tomorrow's games and obviously tomorrow deliver those games for you in their review. And we've got Morocco versus Spain. We have got Portugal versus Switzerland to close out the last 16. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome back. Spain versus Morocco is next. And Spain and, well, both teams go into this with completely divergent uh, moods, really. Spain still reeling from that Japan defeat, which they were handed, unlike the likes of France, Portugal, Brazil, they were handed that defeat with pretty much a full-strength squad, which is incredible, really. Morocco on a high, one of the one of the best-performing teams in the group stages alongside the Netherlands and England in terms of getting seven points. They're only th- one of three teams to get seven points in the group stages, which is uh, 
crazy, really. It just, just shows the competitiveness of this World Cup so far. Morocco, their last knockout stage appearance, came after winning a group as well. It was the 1986 World Cup. They uh, got creditable nil-nil draws against Poland, against England, and beat Portugal, and then got taken to the 88th minute where Lothar Mateus broke their hearts. They'll be hoping for... Uh, Something similar, but with a, a happier ending today. As Spain, they have not won a World Cup knockout game since winning the thing in 2010. Although, of course, they do have that uh, that European Championship semi-final run. But that is the only campaign last year where Spain have won a a knockout stage game since since 2012. So you've got 2016, they lose in the last 16 to Italy, of course, last 16 in Russia, against Russia in 2018. And here we are, Morocco, very, very stern test. And again, you got the you get the feeling that it will be another type of Japan-Croatia game. Spain love possession. Morocco are happy to cede possession. And Morocco won't mind that. They've got um, an incredible number six in Sofian Amrabat, who will have to be at his absolute best. They've got an incredible set of inside forwards, Sofian Bufal, Hakim Ziyech, who we all know about, who will be uh, the catalyst for the... Uh, for the counter-attack, and you've got Yusuf in the series, bubbling up to some nice form. Obviously, plays his football in Spain as well. He's been blowing hot and cold for Sevilla all season. It looks like he's come to the fore in the past couple of games. The only Moroccan to score in successive World Cup games, so maybe he can make that three for three in this game. And this is one of those where if Spain do lose um, and they do get knocked out, Morocco should be on similar lines, really, to Japan in terms of how they're revered. We've all loved watching Japan and how they've shocked teams. Morocco should firmly be in that. And again, another shining light for, for African football. They're the only African nation left in the tournament, so why not go fly the flag with a potential potential quarterfinal against maybe... Portugal, who they beat in 1986. But of course, of course, Portugal play Switzerland. And Switzerland have... If we're going to be fair, they've looked a great deal better in front of goal under Murat Yakin as they had under Vladimir Petkovic. That is absolutely certain. Uh, Braylon Bola looks absolutely ready to blossom on this world stage. Switzerland, of course, they've got the um, they got the advantage of the psychological advantage, I guess, of having beaten Portugal earlier on this year in the Nations League. But we, we did see that um, really the Nations League doesn't really count for much since uh, Denmark beat France home and away, didn't they? And that didn't really turn out too well for the Danes as they went home with one of the worst group stage records. And of course, England relegated. Well, they're statistically the best team at this World Cup so far, aren't they? So uh, there you go. Portugal, a win here would be, um, for the first time, would be the f since 2006 where they've won three World Cup games, which is uh, quite shocking, really. After, of course, 2010's last 16 exit, 2014's group stage exit, and another last 16 exit at the hands of Uruguay in 2018. Portugal, well... Based on the names alone, based on the experience of said names from Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, Bruno Fernandes, Bernardo Silva, you can reel them off list by list if you want. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly uh, favourites, but they have had their stickier moments. And Switzerland were really one goal away from topping their group and not even being in this contest. They were a goal away from playing South Korea um, last night, or rather tonight, as I record. Um, but in terms of Portugal, they're coming off the back of a South Korea defeat, obviously. Um, but their full-strength team will be back. We'll see if that can hinder momentum or 
will it help momentum, give the players a little bit of a rest, as it seemed to have done for France. And that is all we've got time for on today's show. We've got two enormous fixtures, two very tantalising fixtures when you think of how good Switzerland have been going forward and you think of how great Morocco have been in defence, really. Regragui, the uh, Moroccan manager, has only seen one goal scored against his Moroccan team. So we could see a bit of an obdurate Spanish performance for a team who uh, struggle when Alvaro Morata's not up top. It will mean a lot for Spain and their chances going forward if Luis Enrique reverts to Morata as the nine, which he, he, he did in the first half against Japan, but then moved away. And of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, well, he's obviously the one to watch as ever, but 70% of people polled by a newspaper in Portugal don't want him to start, so... Perhaps this is the beginning of the end of Cristiano Ronaldo as he looks set to uh, ink terms, as they say, <laughs> with a uh, Saudi Arabian outfit. And that really, this is the last World Cup of this era, really. Not only 32 teams, but Messi seems as though he's going to win to Miami. Cristiano Ronaldo looks like he's off to Al Nasser. So you've got the two greatest of the last generation. They're on their way out. They're leaving European football goodbye. And meanwhile, we've got... One of the young boys, killing Mbappe, racing to a golden boot. Hopefully he won't score on Saturday and he'll be uh, collecting the golden boot. Yeah, he can do that with five goals. And um, England will just have to spread the goals out a bit um, in order to win the World Cup for that to happen. Regardless, we've got a long way. A lot of water needs to go under that World Cup bridge before we can be discussing anything like that. And until then, until tomorrow, thank you very much for listening, watching if you do over there on YouTube as well. And until then, Sidi, up the three lions. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.